Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We're here with another special guest from Future Flipper. This is Hector Martinez. He's 32 years old. He has a couple a few companies when I was doing my research. Uh, he's got one as a remodeling company, one as a holding company. He does flips. Uh, I was going to ask him if he does some wholesales. We'll get into that in a little bit just for him to give us a little bit of an idea of what his business is. It looks like maybe even he's got another corporation. Maybe his woman started some fashion thing. <laughs> so <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he lives in Georgia. Um, close to the Atlanta area, little, little smaller town, uh, kind of middle of nowhere town, but uh, yeah. I know that he definitely buys in Georgia, and uh, he can tell us what other markets he's in. This is Hector Martinez, our friend from the future Flipper Mastermind with Ryan Pineda. What's going on, everybody? Excited to be here. Thanks, Tony Dakota, for having me on. Yes, sir. For sure. So, hey, so uh, you forgot one company. We just opened a plumbing company. Wow. So let all your viewers know that we do sewage and drain now. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. If you're in the Atlanta area and you need your pipes worked out. What made you get into that? <laughs> Dude, uh, so I have a friend that uh, was in the in the plumbing industry for uh six seven years and um just had a lot of knowledge was working for a big corporation and wanted to do it on his own he reached out to me and we struck up a deal and went into partnership um a couple months ago wow so That's yeah, yeah. Crazy. it's very profitable and we're not just focused on like plumbing it's uh very niche so we do sewer so a lot of plumbers don't do sewer like they just mm -hmm. focus on plumbing stuff i guess i didn't know that wow that's awesome so so hector um for people who are viewing i guess it's kind of cool to hear people's stories and just to remember that everybody's just a kid from somewhere where did you grow up and what was it like for you growing up man give us a little bit of a backdrop on your life who you are yeah, cool. So we were talking before uh, we started uh, that I'm fully Mexican. Uh, I have Aztec blood running through me. So uh, yeah, I was born in Mexico City, Mexico, which is a huge city. And uh, both of my parents grew up pretty uh, poor. And we grew up in a small town called Toluca, Mexico, which is like maybe an hour away from Mexico City. Uh, super humble neighborhood. Um, my dad and my mom both had, you know, just, uh, well, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for most of her life. My dad actually worked at a bank and uh, 
you know, grew up pretty poor, but then there was a moment there where my dad was uh, climbing up the corporate ladder, if you will, at a bank down in Mexico. And uh, he was able to afford pretty, a pretty good lifestyle for us. So we ended up moving to Toluca and uh, from Mexico City, where, you know, basically we lived in a gated community and like it, we had a maid, uh, like we lived a pretty good life. And um, yeah, so then from there, um, my dad uh, just, I don't know what happened exactly, but I remember he lost his job. So I was probably around six or seven at this point, and uh, he lost his job. And I remember like, just like, I think they ended up repossessing his car, like something went down that I still don't fully know. <laughs> And, uh, and then we, we lost everything, man. Um, and you guys know, I'm a very big believer, uh, in God and my faith. I always speak about my faith, but that was during, that was, uh, the time like where we became, uh, Christians and like we, uh, my dad gave his heart to the Lord and, uh, we kind of just started over again. Like our whole family started over again, you know, from living that kind of lifestyle, uh, to then just going into a one bedroom apartment, uh, in back in Mexico city. Um, I'm sorry, that was still in Toluca and we we're all, all five of us were living under, you know, that one bedroom apartment. And, um, you know, we just, again, started from scratch. And from there, uh, my dad decided that he wanted to give us a better life and, uh, wanted to, you know, have us learn English and, uh, you know, just have this like American dream story. So he ended up moving to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, when I was about 10 years old. And uh, he completely did like a, a whole 180 shift of the entire family. Like we didn't have any siblings or cousins or any, uh, any family in the United States, except for maybe one aunt up in Utah. And, uh, but we didn't know anybody up North. We just had some church friends that we knew that told my dad, Hey, he, he should come and, you know, uh, just try Philadelphia out. So when I was like, yeah, I think about 10, we ended up moving to Philadelphia. And, and I remember like vividly, one of my biggest memories from my trip to Mac from Mexico to the U S was seeing the statue of Liberty because we flew into the New York airport. And, uh, anyway, that, that was like a big thing, man. And so my dad started working, uh, as a painter. So that's kind of where I get my construction, like background if you will because i used to work with him just painting houses and he just like learning the trade um he didn't speak english i didn't speak english my brother and sister didn't speak english my mom didn't speak english it was tough i remember going to like esl esl school and like learning english uh getting picked on like you know we we didn't have a lot of money we lived in a two-bedroom apartment now and uh new language like it was crazy it was it was really really like a tough lifestyle but uh my dad was always just a super hard worker man he was he was just uh like work ethic to the million power and i just remember seeing him like go out and come back late you know and full of paint you know and um but he was giving us a new new lifestyle so learned english and um Long story short, I don't know how detailed or how how much you want me to go into the story, but you no, tell me good, you have questions. Um, but long story short, we uh, you know, we lived in Philadelphia for some time, 
my dad uh, was working for a painting company up there and uh, just painting, you know, like single family houses. Uh, then he started picking up small jobs like on his own. Um, me and my brother were in school, so didn't really think much of it. We're just trying to live like everybody else. Uh, didn't have like new clothes every week or nothing like that. Like we just, you know, we didn't go out to eat a lot. We didn't, uh, didn't have like, uh, you know, um, a lot of wealth or anything. We were just, my dad was making ends meet, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, so it was a struggle growing up. And then, uh, right when I was like in middle school, uh, probably like 13, 14, my dad decided to move us all to Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm at now. And uh, yeah, so my dad uh, started his own painting company, his own painting business. And I remember on the weekends, like going out and, um, you know, just like helping him and just seeing what he was doing, you know, he was act interacting with like residential customers and stuff. And, you know, I always admire his work ethic. And uh, fast forward, I think five years, oh no, probably like three years. So I was about 15, 16. We were sitting down in a dinner table, eating dinner one day and he gets up from the table, he goes to the sink and he starts coughing up blood. And um, he's just like really sickly. And the next day he went to the doctor and they found that he uh, had a tumor in his esophagus. And um, yeah, so when I was 13, uh, yeah, 14, 15 now, my, I remember like for two years, he had cancer and, um, you know, it was like up to my mom now to work. She was, she had been a stay at home mom and it was up to her to work, you know, and, um, and, and make ends meet cause he couldn't work. He ended up losing so much weight. Um, he, he weighed like 90 pounds at one point. It was wow. crazy. Um, and uh, so my mom used to clean houses and uh, clean banks. And when my father died, he ended up passing away when he was 39. So like seven years older than me right now, just kind of crazy to think about how young he was. But he passed away at 39, uh, left three kids, single mom. And, uh, you know, I remember like, okay, now it's up to us like to survive. You know, we lived in a really like a uh, humble neighborhood here in Woodstock, Georgia. And uh, yeah, I just remember like uh, going to her house. I might not her house going to people's houses and like cleaning with my mom or going to the banks. I remember that a lot. Like we would wake up at five in the morning and go to Wells Fargo bank or SunTrust and like clean the banks. So that's what she did. She used to clean commercial banks. And uh, during high school, I did that all throughout high school, man. And uh, just learned at a very young age, nothing's giving to you. You know, you got to go out and work for it. And life uh, will hit you like a ton of bricks. And you better have tough skin, alligator skin for what people are going to say about you. And, you know, that's that was kind of like my background, man. Like that's a little bit of my story. And uh, fast forward, you know, uh, my teenage years went to uh, school down in Gainesville, Florida. I went to seminary actually. And uh, my mom put us all through those schools. Like my brother graduated from uh, university and like, she was just the hardest working woman I know, you know? She put me through like that seminary school that I did and uh, lived there in Gainesville. And I can go on and on and on, but long story short, there was, 
some uh, certain things that happened that caused me to move back to Georgia and get into real estate. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother like 20 minutes of conversation that I can go into how I got into real estate, but that's kind of my background and that's kind of where I came from and who I am. Dude, that story is nuts. There's so yeah. much in that. And I have so, I have so many questions for the story. I don't know if we'll get to cover everything that I wanted to talk to you about. Now that I heard your story, there's so much yeah. detail there, dude. That's a great story too for a lot of people out there, it's going to help a lot of people. So I'm glad you told it with the depth that you did in such a chronological way too, because we really got a good picture of like where you came from, which is awesome. So thank you for telling that yeah. story. And thank you for giving the detail that you gave. Yeah, sure. Yeah, what, I what always age, think, yes, go ahead, go ahead. I say what age did you actually learn English then? Um, I was probably like, uh, uh, like uh, maybe seven, something like that. Wow. Yeah. And the thing is, is like when my dad was doing well, we were taking English classes in Mexico. So it was an easy adjustment, but it was still difficult anyway, because it was just a new culture. But I was like seven or eight. Yeah. I would say that's what I, I mean. I don't even know if people like, you know, they hear everybody that's like, oh, we're just, you know, up and left to another country and like it, it kind of sounds normal now because obviously that happens and like we're yeah, in the yeah. u.s where like you know everybody like says that they come here so we're used to hearing people say that but like if you really like imagine yourself getting up moving to another country where you don't speak the language or at least very fluently like i think that's hard for most people to imagine and like even me like even when you hear it, you're like oh yeah i mean it's you know that's a big deal but it's not that big of a deal until you actually go to another country and then you can't communicate right. with people like, dude, like we were just there. And like, I remember a time when I literally didn't know how to say bathroom. I didn't know baños. <laughs> and yeah. so I uh, was trying to go to the restroom and like trying to communicate with somebody without being able to, is just the, like one of the most difficult things I've ever experienced. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that's crazy that you went through that, especially at a young age. That's, that's super difficult. Um, well, the other question I had is uh, what, what does uh, Mexico think of the US or like, you know, like Mexicans or people from other cultures, because when we were there, they're like, you know, they're all trying to like get us to buy stuff from them. And then one of the guys were like, you're, you're, you're uh, American, you're rich. So what is a, uh, what is like the pull to America? And what do, what do Mexicans like, you know, think of them whenever you go back even now? And then what double part to that, do people think that you're like more American now when you go back to Mexico? Or do they still see you as Mexican? Yeah, so like what a lot of people don't know is that like the Mexican culture, uh, there's really like a two-folded answer to that question. Like you have your really, and I think this is the same everywhere, right? But you have your really educated people and like people that are in this city, like Mexico City is a thriving city. Like it's the real estate game over there is crazy. Like there's tons of Airbnbs. Like it's a thriving community. There's an area called Polanco that's uh, that is um, an area of like it's basically Hollywood in Mexico. So it's uh you know it's I would say that that coach or that group of people they don't think anything of it. It's like the same. Like you know they're living great. You know what I mean. But then you also have like I I would think the majority of people look at the Mexican culture diluted right because uh we have like mexican restaurants and like you know it's like 
you know, it's they, I don't think sometimes they appreciate the culture for what the culture actually has brought to the world. So, you know, I, I guess there's two sides of that, two culture groups. Then you have your more ethnic, what, what's the word? Like, uh, yeah, just like people that live in different uh, small pueblos, right? Where it's like little groups of people that maybe are not as educated, but the culture is just amazing. So uh, those people, I would say, look at Americans and, you know, they, they, they feel like there's definitely an advantage. But again, the other group of people that are like in Mexico City, businessman, they they I, I don't know that they have a different perception of Americans uh, that would be like, you know, misconstrued or, or whatever the case may be. For me, though, like I, I would say that people think that I'm definitely more Americanized now. Uh, even friends that I have here that are Mexican always joke around like, you know, you're you're, you're like the most un-Mexican Mexican that there is you know what I mean because yeah it's like I live like an American right so I live my lifestyle is, is Americanized so but I still eat Mexican food and I have you know my my roots and that's that's a huge part of who I am but uh, I would say if I went back to Mexico City right now uh, I wouldn't fit in because it's just like you know it's it's a whole different world a whole different style of living you know what I mean Yep. What was the pull for your parents to come to the U.S. then? It's the same. You know, I think um, the same that everybody has. It's like that chasing that American dream, you know what I mean, of like becoming successful. But I think the pool, at least from what they would tell me, it was we want to give you guys like a better future. We want to give you guys a better a better um a better head start, you know, than, than we had. Uh, and I definitely think they achieved that goal. Like they put us on a path that uh, others unfortunately don't have. That's awesome. And it's, it's allowing us, it allowed us to come to a land of opportunity. I think America is the greatest country in the world. Let me ask you a deep question. It might dig in a little bit. It might hurt, but yeah. uh, were you, Matt, so you had to go through the five stages of loss and everybody holds a lot of, um, uh, I'd say like resentment toward their parents at some point in their life. Um, did you ever get to the point where you're like, why'd you leave us dad? Or like, did you blame God? Were you mad? Were you sad? Were you thankful? Were you, res did you respect your father more now looking back? Like, what did that look like for you? To lose your Dude, dad it, so young. Yeah. It's interesting because I was literally having this conversation with a young man today. And I was just basically explaining that I had to go through a period of time of like forgiveness. You know what I mean? And just, you know, I held a grudge for a long time of like exactly what you said, you know? So it's like, uh, I mean, Dakota, it's like you, uh, Tony, not Dakota. God, I always get you guys mixed up. <laughs> Tony, uh, it's exactly what you said. It's like, man, you, you, you were upset, right. That like your father left you. And I was, I was like, man, you know, you couldn't have you like toughed it out or, or, or sought some other medication or something to, to help you. And it's like, you know, the thoughts that every kid thinks, you know, like their dad is Superman. And I was very close to my father. Um, so it definitely hurt a lot. And I had to deal with that pain in different stages for sure. 
Uh, and I was telling this young man this morning that, you know, it, it, it took me probably 10 or 15 years to go back to the cemetery. Like, I know it's crazy, but I, I had never gone back to like where we buried him uh, until actually very recently. And it was because I held like this misconception or this level of like a grudge for him going away that I literally had to dig in and like forgive him. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen the movie, um, The Shack. I recommend that to every single human being out there. Uh, but it talks about this father losing his daughter. She was actually kidnapped and, uh, and then killed. And he goes through a journey with God, basically like identifying the hurt, the pain and all of this, these deep emotions that a lot of people have that don't, they don't talk about. And he goes through a period of like forgiving the guy who kidnapped the, the, the daughter and forgiving him. And I think, you know, uh, when you go through that level of pain, there's um, a lot of forgiveness that you have to release and, and give to the person on the other side. So for sure, man, it was it was tough. And but I, I thank God for it now, you know, that 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 made me who I am. It created um, a lot of uh, desire, passion, motives to 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 push harder when things get tough. So a lot of the things that people um, go through, it has been has been easier you know, to deal with because you kind of learn to deal with pain, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I've learned to just release it to the Lord, release it to God and uh, not hold on to that because, you know, just like it, 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 it will stay with you forever, you know? And uh, if you don't let it go, it can affect so many relationships and just everything you do. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, so you said a couple things there uh, that I just wanted to to touch on because honestly, I, I went through my my dad or mom never died, but I lost uh, like both of them at a young age in different ways. You know, they weren't around a whole lot in my uh, in my childhood. So um, one thing you said that I feel very similar is like, oh, it's made me who I am, which is a hundred percent true. Like you wouldn't be who you are today if those events did not happen. And in a lot of ways, it happened, uh, you know, for you, not to you. Um, especially to help you develop, which is like a hard thing for people to realize, especially with something so traumatic as that, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and is even more brutal than, you know, what I went through. But, uh, you know, you also said another thing that said, it's, it's up to us to survive now. Um, and so I wanted to know if like, you feel like, uh, or how it helps shape you, like, what were the specific things? Because for me, it, whenever, like, I lost my family, it's like, okay, it's time for me to step up as a man now. And like, I got to handle this. And I was like, you know, I was like seven, seven or eight. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to take care of my mom and my sisters. Um, and, and that has transformed into the person that I am today where I feel like, okay, I got to take care of like everybody around me, our employees. I mean, like the people, like the community that we've created, I feel like now that's helped to transition into that. And like, that's always stayed with me. It's like rooted really deep down. And so I just wanted to hear about how that actually impacted you and transitioned you into the person that you are today. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like uh, when your back is against the wall, you can choose to react either uh, from a victim, victim mentality and or a victor mentality. You know what I mean? Like 
it, that's in every stage of life, no matter where you're at or what's happened to you. Like you can either choose the route of the victim or you can choose the route of the victor. And I think that my mom championed that and illustrated that in my eyes and in my brother and sister's eyes. Like she was like, you know, we can either just be a victim and have everything handed to us, or we can choose to become, uh, you know, victorious from this situation and use that as fuel to like push through, you know what I mean? So when I saw her, like, dude, I remember like she never shed a tear and like in front of us. Right. There was times that I caught her, like, you know, I opened the door and she was like crying her eyes out, but she never did it in front of us. And she was always like a praying woman. And I remember walking in on her, like, you know, in a room and she'd be in her knees, like praying. Or when we were sleeping, she would come over us and like lay hands on us and like, just, just pray over us before school or whatever. So I always saw her like champion. I'm not going to let this tear me down. I'm going to, I have kids, I have responsibilities and I'm going to push forward. And so my whole story has been just like, pushing forward when you have trials and tribulations and things that happen. Right. And so we really saw that in her and it, it just cost us to like basically push forward. So I remember when he died, like I, I took a job. My first job was at Dunkin' Donuts. And then I worked at Chick-fil-A for a while. And it was just like, you know, I, let's go. Like, I can't, I'm not, if I, if my mom's not, you know, in, in a corner crying all the time and she's, over there hustling, crying, I mean, uh, cleaning houses and stuff, like cleaning bags, I, I, I'm going to do the same, right? So it's helped shape that mentality in me. And I think a lot of people need to uh, hone in on those tribulations and trials and use it as fuel, right? To like overcome. And so she's, she championed that and it's, and that's what it's been all of our life. Like my brother, uh, my sister, all of us have gone through more trials and tribulations that don't stop man like mm -hmm. things are gonna come and, and and try to knock you down but it's how you react that uh that really determines like who you become you know what i mean and i remember one of my mentors would always use the rocky balboa uh quote it's like and he would always say to me like it's not how hard you can hit it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward you know what I'm saying? And dude, I just ate that all up. I'm like, life can come at me a million different ways, but I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep fighting whether it's the last thing I do. You know what I mean? So, you know, my family, our family just went through another huge loss. And, you know, I've never talked about it publicly, but uh, my brother uh, has three kids and one of them also passed away from cancer last year. And uh, that was a freaking nightmare it still is it was uh you know it was a tornado man it it was uh it hit my family like you would not believe you know we lost our dad from cancer and now this 10 year old little boy is, is suffering from cancer again he had a brain tumor and uh you know uh he fought for about two years and uh he passed away last year so it was tough man it was tougher than hell and I don't wish that on anybody because it's a child. But you know what? Re going back to what you said, uh, Dakota, it's like you have to take a position of like you're gonna let this crush you, or you're gonna you're gonna push through. You know, it's like, 
and now you got other people looking at you how you're gonna respond and so like my brother you know shout out to him uh just incredible warrior like went through this horrible loss and like because of what my mom championed back in when we were children like he was just such a force like strength for the whole family and this was like his son you know what i'm saying so uh, it was tough, man. But if I can just be use that story, Aiden's story, as an encouragement to anybody listening, like we're all going through things, you know. Uh, nobody knows this about me, and uh, you know, people see you thriving on Instagram and on Facebook. But the reality is, like, we're all going through something. People go through things, uh, and I think the only hope that we have is number one in Jesus, but number two is like. Uh, it's a new response and how you, what you're going to do with, with, with those huge losses that just come, you know, whether it's in business, in personal life or in anything like, again, it's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. yeah. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari simply has been the best. Ari simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's some yeah. hard stuff. And the the only thing that I can think of, obviously, like you said, you can use that story and like, you know, Hopefully it, it helps to bring people closer to their kids and like, you know, value the time that they have. And cause yeah. like, man, I don't even, that's such a hard thing. And that's, that's where it's always hard to, you know, go over that saying everything happens to us or I'm sorry, everything happens for us, not to us, but then stuff like that is like, holy crap, man, what, what good can yeah. come out of this? But of course, you know, God can use everything for his good. Um, it's just a difficult thing to see, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's, that's crazy. And that's what, that's what attracted me to you guys a lot, man. Just like, you know, and I liked y'all's energy just when, you know, we, we would meet and talk a little bit because like you guys get it right. Life is not about real estate, making money and like, dude, all that stuff is secondary, man. Like what really matters is the relationships you have around you. It's like the people that God puts in your path and what you're going to do uh in those relationships you know and like i think we're in we're 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 supposed to be good stewards of the people that that we're around and you know real estate is just a tool to make that a little better or business is just a tool to make it better but at the end of the day man it's it's the relationships that count so you said it you said it perfectly yeah, I remember uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Ed Milet is things matter or people matter and things don't and uh, I try to remind myself that every single day. I'm like, man, like really doesn't matter that much. Like nothing's that big of a deal. Like the thing that really matters is obviously the people and uh, like, you know, who we're helping. So. Right. Yeah. 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 But that's, that's another thing that attracted us to uh, Ryan's program too, is like, you know, he's about balance, man. He's not about like being the biggest business person you can be. Obviously we should strive to be like, you know, use our gifts and use them for the maximum amount that we're supposed to. But at the same time, like if it sacrifices every other area of our life, it's not worth it. You know, you don't need to be the biggest business person and then you lose everything else. Like that's not a great life and that's not 
in my opinion, what God intended for you to do. Uh, so yeah, that's something that attracted us to Ryan's program in general. And I feel like he attracts those kind of people who are looking for a balanced life spiritually, uh, yeah. you know, family wise, like money, all of it, like basically have a balance on all of it and really live the lifestyle that you're meant to live or you're supposed to live. So yeah. Yeah. He said it recently yesterday in a podcast he did. Uh, and he was just saying like, you know, you want to create the life you want to live, you know, it's not about making millions of dollars. It's about enjoying the life that you created. So I think, you know, all that, uh, is absolutely true. You know, I think people lose sight of that, you know, it's just like, they get so caught up in like the, the, the details that they miss the big picture, you know? Yep. How do you uh, keep sight of that? Um, because that's something that I struggle with a lot too, especially when, when you get into this space, you know, it's very competitive and you just want to win, man. And like, obviously anybody in real estate, if they're doing well, they're probably very competitive people. How do you remember to like, keep sight of your purpose, your bigger vision and like what you actually want for your life, as opposed to just trying to beat everybody and be the biggest you can be, because obviously it's very easy to veer off into that. How do you stay balanced? Um, honestly, it's a lot of reflecting and taking time to reflect on the things that really matter, uh, having deep conversations that are meaningful with your, whether it's your spouse or a mentor. Uh, but I, I do that all the time, dude. Like I, I make it a point to reach out to like my mentors and have them drill me with questions, you know? And then like, I tell my wife all the time, like, if you ever see, me doing something that's not me call it out you know and uh because it's easy right like the other day i was like what was it oh i i remember we were in orlando we were in uh disney springs and we went to the store um and it was like a jewelry store and she was looking at jewelry so but they had men's jewelry and i was like looking at the men's jewelry and i was like Mm, this this like uh silver necklace looks fire right and i'm like i'm gonna try it on and i went in and put it on and i'm like feeling myself for like five minutes and then she comes over to me and she just looks at me and she shakes her head and she's like that's not you you know that's not you and i was like what do you mean that's not me and i kind of low-key got offended but i knew where she her heart was at i knew where she was coming from and it was like oh, I can afford this now, right? Like maybe I should buy it. And so those those things kind of keep me balanced and focused on what really matters and not being not being uh, someone that I'm not, you know? I'm just, yeah. So I don't need a fancy car to, to prove uh, that I'm the person that I say, say I am, you know? Yep. Do you have that like uh, scheduled, like regimented, or is it just like, uh, you know, do you have like, hey, I need to have at least five meaningful conversations? Or do you like, do you set a goal or anything? Or is it just kind of like, you know, at the top of your mind all the time? It's on the top of my mind all the time because of my relationship with God. And it's like, when I pray, I really, I journal a lot, actually. And, uh, and I just try to be as honest I, as I can with God, you know what I mean? I think people have a hard time doing that. And I, it's just through a lot of self-reflection. And so, yeah, I, I would say it's at the top of my mind, but um, it's also just like being intentional with your relationships, like letting them know ahead, you know, it's like, call me out. You know, I have a good friend in the Dominican Republic. That's, he's my best friend in the whole world. And this dude will tell me straight up, like, dude, that post that you made was a little self, uh, self, uh, what's the word? Like 
um, edifying. Yeah, like self-edifying. Like that's not you, bro. And I literally would go and delete that because they know who I am. They know the heart of Hector Martinez. And so no, I don't have a regimented or you know in a in a schedule. But it's I've just I think you can create the system. You know what I mean? That uh, that allows um, the protection of your of who you are and your core values. You know what I mean? And the system for me has been let people know uh, to call me out. Uh, journal, pray, and then reach out to your mentors like once in a while. But I think you feel it, you know, I think you feel it. And then, um, you know, you have to like bring it back sometimes, you know what I mean? Yep. What are your core values and what is your why? Mm. Um, so that's a great question. My core values, I mean, I just, um, I just really believe we're here for a short period of time. And we need to do the very best we can in anything that is put into our hands, right? So, like, I just believe that um, whatever I have in front of me, I'm going to be good steward of it. So, I don't, I don't do things halfway. Like, if I'm going to be given something or an opportunity, I'm going to try to be a good steward of it. Um yeah, I would say that's one of my big core values. Like here in the company, right? So I have eight employees, um, like VAs and stuff. But uh, here in the company, like our core values are you jam, right? And so uh, it's actually my father's initials, if you guys didn't know. But it's the U stands for uh, you are special, like you have what it takes. And that comes from like a place of believing in myself because for a long time I didn't. So it's like, you have what it takes. Uh, the J stands for just do it. So take massive action from start to finish. Uh, don't question it. Just take action. The A stands for always do more. So always do more for our partners, our clients, our, our coworkers or contractors, like always do more. And then the M is for make the world a better place. Um, so that's just basically we give back from a company level and a personal level so that others can win too. Um, so that's, um, uh, my core values. And then my big, why I would say, it's just like, dude, I want to be a curse breaker, man. I want to be a generational curse breaker. I want to be the one guy in the family that like changed the game for generations to come. Like that's me. You know what I mean? And I put this on my Instagram the other day, somebody posted a video. It's like, you know, this guy had been in poverty for generations, right? Like the family had been in poverty for generations. And then, um, it was like, the one guy comes that's going to change it all up and like believes in himself and puts in the work and he's the hardest worker in the room. And then bam, the generation changes. I want to be that guy. You know, that's my why I want to leave a legacy. That's unheard of. When my dad died, he didn't leave a life insurance policy. He didn't leave any real estate behind. He didn't leave, you know, any, any wealth. If anything, he left a lot of debt. Like he had bought a house and wasn't paid off. So my mom had to foreclose, on that house. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we couldn't pay it. And so he, I would say he left debt. I don't think intentionally, but that's just what happened because he didn't have the right system, the right uh, plan of action. Um, nobody taught him. Right. So that's my big why, uh, Tony It's like leaving a legacy for my kids. I have two little boys and I want them to uh, not struggle uh, the way I did. Awesome. I think uh I think that person that you were talking about was Ed Milet too. That, yeah, uh, I think that was that. him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, dude. That's right. one of my favorite videos too, is like, yeah, he's just one of my favorite speakers. Dude. He's a good dude. He's a Christian as well. And uh, he's a, uh, you know, just a huge business guy, but he also yeah. remembers what's important too. He's probably okay. one of my best mentors, but uh, you, know, you, you, you talked about something in there that I always struggle with and I don't know how you feel about it, but I wanted to just hear your thoughts on it. Um, Cause obviously we believe that, you know, we're all created from God. So we're all like given gifts and we're all like extremely like capable and powerful. Like, man, I feel like, you know, I don't think that a lot of humans realize the gifts that they've been given and how much potential they actually have. But then also at the same time, like you talked about, like we're here for such a short amount of time. And so like, I don't know if you've ever been in, uh, you know, one of those planetarium things or whatever, where they just keep going further and further back. But every time I go to those, I realize that like, dude, we are such a small, tiny little ant on this earth. Um, so I wanted to hear like your thoughts on that. And like, if you balance that in your head or how it kind of works through your brain. So, yeah, like you, you, you mean, uh, like what I, what, what I think as far as like purpose, is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Basically like, do you, do you think about that as much? Like, man, like we're here for such a short amount of time and like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But then also like you've been given gifts and God put us here for a reason yeah. as well. Like how you balance that in your head. And like, if you lean yeah. one way more than the other. Yeah, no, that's a good question, man. Like, honestly, I think that, um, we all have been given gifts and talents and abilities, and it's up to you to maximize those, right? The Bible talks about a story of the 10 talents, right? The 10 talents, or I'm sorry, the story of talents. And it's about the, um, a master giving uh, people, I think it's three or four people talents. I think it's three people. And he gives one guy X amount, the other guy X amount, the other guy X amount right and one of the guys like invests the talents and then doubles basically what he was given the other guy basically just stays like flatline and then the last guy doesn't do he i think he the, the second guy stays like uh maybe uh doubling it i, I forget the whole story but the yeah, point guess, is is yeah both the of last them guy it. yeah yeah the last guy just buries it and like doesn't doesn't do anything with his talent uh, and so the guy comes back and he's like, what'd you guys do with the talents that I gave you? And then he basically explains, you know, uh, the story of the talents and how you're supposed to maximize what's given to you. So I love that story because that helps me remember, like with every talent that I have, I'm going to try and maximize everything that I, and squeeze every little bit of gifting that I have, whether it's public speaking and I've, I've uh, had the opportunity to public speak all around the United States, believe it or not. Uh, and whether it's business, like I'm going to do not just one business, a bunch of businesses. I'm good at building teams. So I'm going to create a bunch of teams. Uh, and I think once you're faithful to the little things, uh, it's almost like everything is multiplied. And that's a biblical principle, but it applies whether you're a believer, a Christian or not. Like if you are a good steward and faithful to the things that you're given now, it's almost uh, like a, a law that you're going to be given more to manage. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I would respond to uh, the talents. And, yeah, I mean, it's like we are here for such a short period of time. Um, live your life the way you want to live it. 
you know what I mean? With the talents you've been given. And I had to be awakened from that because I, I used to work for uh, Wells Fargo Advisors, Wells Fargo Bank, and uh, nine to five, it was a grind. And I didn't understand that concept until much later, you know what I mean? Of like, dude, you're just serving someone else's dream. You know, like, this is not it. You got to go and chase your own dream. Uh, and it's a lot of like self-evaluating that you can and removing those limiting beliefs that like tell you you cannot or that you don't have the uh, ability to do it. There's uh, people out there I, I see are pretty active on social media. And uh, I know our opinion on this, but I think it's important for people to hear. So some people talk about stealth wealth, trying to stay under the radar, not really letting other people know what you do. They're kind of apprehensive. You know, some Christians might come at you and say like, hey, it's kind of vain for you to be, yeah. you know, doing selfies all the time and trying to promote yourself and look good. So where do you, I know you do a lot of social media. How have you justified putting yourself out there and making yourself more available to the public. Yeah. So uh, Ryan Pineda says this all the time, but it's like, I treat Instagram like a business. You know what I'm saying? Like I use it as a platform to get more deals, connect with more people, network with people, uh, talk to realtors. Dude, I remember just starting to post a little bit about real estate and like a realtor reaching out to me saying, I have like, a list uh, of like hundreds of off-market properties uh, that come to my desk and I will basically uh, send these to you, put the offers in for you, charge you less commission than you normally pay. All you got to do is work with me, right? And so like that came from social media. Uh, but to answer your question, again, I treat it like a business. I've done a lot of business through social media, actually, like two of my biggest realtors that I use uh, for on-market properties to, to buy and sell houses have come from social media. I've JV'd with people. I've had private money lending uh, all come from social media and people seeing what I do. And so I treat it like a business and I, you know, I try not to post a whole lot about like the fancy things that I buy or the things that I'm doing, excuse me, personally. Um, because of this book that I read once, it was it's called the the I don't know if you guys have read it. It's called um, the Millionaire Next Door. Have you guys read that book? Yeah. And so it's yeah, it's the concept of like what you're saying, um, Tony. It's like the stealth wealth of not letting like people know how much money you have. And I think you know, as long as your heart is in the right place and you're not posting for selfish reasons. I think there's a healthy balance you can create um, to strum up business and just to, you know, put information out there. Uh, a lot of the reason I post is to give value to people that want to get into this space because anybody can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you, yeah, I definitely think that you provide a ton of value uh, for for a lot of other people, but even for me, honestly, I love I love seeing your stories, dude, and like you know the mix between like business and uh, you know just your faith, because uh, I I always struggle with that, and I always like you know want to hear how other people are doing, like you, Ryan Pineda, like all that stuff, because like dude, it's it's so easy to you know forget 
what what the bigger purpose is and what you're doing this all for. So yeah, I know you've helped me personally, and I know you help a lot of other people too. And that's the same thing that we try to do is like, man, we're out here posting and doing this, not to brag or anything, but to show that it's possible for other people to do it too. Because we've seen a lot of people get very wealthy and then they don't want to share any information because they're scared of competition or they don't want to help other people or, you know, all these other excuses that they make. And I'm like, man, like to me, that really feels like you're actually taking from other people, but sharing with people what you're doing actually feels like it's more giving and sharing. And like, I feel like that's what, uh, what we're called to do. So, yeah. What does your organization look like now? How, how many employees do you have? Do you guys do, how many deals are you doing? Like flips, wholesales? Do you keep rental properties? Like paint us a picture of what your, your real estate business looks like. Yeah, so our, our entire business model is like, we, we are heavy on the fix and flip side because that's uh, how we started. So I started uh, by myself doing like maybe five to 10 houses a year i think uh probably did like 10 or something the first year the second year i linked up with vince you guys know who's my business partner and uh we did 25 the second year um and it's been increasing um ever since so like last year i think we did over 60 properties fix and flips and then we held some rentals and it was actually like just seeing how you guys uh, are holding like rentals and like you guys are seeing a ton of value from holding those rentals that like really fired me up and entering the community of like future flipper that fired me up to like hold more rentals and um and airbnbs so right now the way it looks like we we're pretty much uh, still flipping but we we do some wholesales here and there um and then we have a couple rentals now and um we're doing we're remodeling two airbnbs one very close to the brave stadium here in georgia and then um, another one in an area called marietta square that's uh like pretty uh, populated area for airbnbs and uh yeah so we have a company that's uh i have eight guys that are working with us so i have a project manager i have a field supervisor um i have uh admin and then i have a fractional bookkeeper uh that's like part-time and then um uh tc so like a transaction coordinator and then i have two i have sorry four sales people so i have two follow-up specialists that just basically filter the cold calls and then i have two like closers essentially wow yeah so for folks who are just getting started uh, people that are watching this podcast who haven't taken the first step yet. Uh, what's your advice to those people and what materials would you recommend? Yeah. I mean, if you want to get started in real estate investing, number one is you got to believe in yourself. You know, you got to believe uh, that you can do it. And that's, it goes back to like to tie the whole conversation up, right? It's like, you have to know that life is going to come at you, but you have to push through it. So believe in yourself. Number one, take away all the limiting beliefs that tell you, you can't do this. You're not going to do this. Uh, you don't have the money. You don't have the resources. And the second thing I'd say, you know, create goals for yourself and um, know what your end goal is. Is it to have a full blown out business like us or is it just to hold a couple rentals and have your W-2 income? 
you know, what's your goal? I always ask people that are starting out that question because sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they, they like their job. They don't want to leave it, but they see an opportunity in real estate. So I always say, you know, what's your goals? And then the third thing is, is uh, as far as resources, I think the Tony and Dakota podcast is fire. They should be <laughs> listening to that all the time. Uh, and then, um, yeah, of course, like I, all my uh, employees that work here, the first requirement of their training is to read the Future Flipper book because that basically breaks down our entire business operation. Um, it, I think it's called Flip Your Future. Uh, not Future Flipper, it's Flip Your Future by Ryan Pineda. And then join a community of people like the masterminds that we're a part of, um, as well as uh, that's that's it. Like that's honestly, like that's a, there's a lot there. When I started in real estate, I didn't have any coaching, any training, any community. I just went out and did it. I wish I would have had the book or the or the networks that now I'm a part of. I would have saved myself a lot of time and money. But I would say those two things I always recommend. And then of course there's YouTube and you can find stuff on YouTube. But I always just point to those because they're the the easiest, most practical ways uh, to get into it. Awesome. Well, we have a few uh, final questions we usually ask all of our guests. We're getting close to the hour mark here, so yeah. I'll start wrapping things up. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. You, your uh, answers have been super valuable, and uh, this podcast got real deep real quick, so I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> if people are still on. I know this was a heavy one, but it was really valuable for people who are listening. So um, another purpose question, another deep one. 60 years from now, you're dying. And you have a final message to the world, be your legacy, you put it on a billboard, it could be a mantra, it could be a paragraph, it could be a sentence. Uh, what is your message? Man, that's deep. This is this is a really deep podcast for sure. <laughs> um, man, that's, uh, yeah, I just, you know, what I think about when I'm asked this question, and Every time I think of like my future or I think of what I left behind and what impact I had in the world, I always remember a minister who has gone to be with the Lord now, who had a, he had like um, basically like a dream or people would call it like he was like in a trance i know it's a little weird right but he was like you know he, he had his dream where he saw himself in heaven and he was about to enter the gates of heaven and there was angels and they asked him this question they asked him i, I forget the the gist of the the entire dream but it was like basically one question like determines your entire life and he said that the angels asked him they said um did you learn to love that was the one question that like he was asked and he i think he like fumbled to answer the question or something and then i forget what happened in the dream but that sentence like that question that 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 those words put together have been like tucked in in the closet of my heart for the longest time. 
and they've been compartmentalized in my mind forever that I learned to love. And um, because at the end of the day, bro, like you're not taking anything in this world with you, you know, you're taking one thing and that's the memories you built, the moments you created. Um, so for me, to uh, Tony, I would say, did you learn to love? Like that would be the question that I put out to the world. You know, did you make an impact? Did you give the relationships around you all you could? Um, mic drop, boom, that's it. Love it. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, how can our viewers get a hold of you? Yeah, so like I said, I'm active on Instagram. Uh, my social media handle is hectormartinez.rei. And uh, it's pretty much across the board what it is on YouTube and uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah, but I'm most active on, on, on Instagram. And then do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, I think I was coming into this thinking it was going to be like heavy real estate related. And it just took like a completely different turn, which I love because this is what matters to me. But um, no, man, I would just say like if, if somebody said through the, through the entire story of my life and like heard me talk a whole lot. And uh, I would just say like, um, do what you love, man. And, 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 and go after it. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be situations that come up. There's going to be problems, but you're a victor. You're not a victim and you can do it. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, we're trying to, you know, help is that like, man, we're not, a, we're not a real estate podcast. We're, you know, we're about life and, uh, any ways that we can help people. And so, um, yeah, man, I think that you or this podcast is going to help a lot of people, um, just remember what's important and everything. And like, dude, you're, you're a light to the world and, uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. This is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. Cause, uh, you're, you're a real deep person and dude, you're an amazing speaker. So yeah, you've definitely been given a gift and we appreciate you. Yeah. We had some real estate questions, but, uh, I like the, <laughs> the twist that it took. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you, man. Me too. But yeah. Yeah. Guys, no, appreciate you it. Thanks fellas. Yeah, if you guys watched all the way to the end, make sure that you like, share, and comment on this one. Make sure that you share this with a friend uh, that you think this will help. I mean, uh, Hector shared a lot of good things here, and I know you guys got value out of it. So if you could uh, share this podcast, share it with as many people as you possibly can, and hopefully make an impact on this earth. Uh, comment, yeah. comment your favorite part. Yeah. Comment your favorite quote from Hector or one that he paraphrased. <laughs> But yeah, thanks again, bro. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. Yes, sir. Thanks, Hector. See you. Bye. See you, bro.